Welcome to the Why God Why podcast. I am Peter Engler. I am a co-host. I am here with our series co-host, Alyssa. Hello, hello. Hello. And then we're also here with our producer, Nathan Yoder. We have the great privilege of interviewing Mike Peace, uh, who is from Bethel Express. So when I get to Browncroft, I feel like Bethel Express is like a legend. So it's great. Um, <laughs> And so the the question for our podcast today is why would I serve the same nonprofit uh, for 10 years? And um, I'm just kind of thinking about that. I'm thinking about all the past episodes that we've done. And I'm actually really glad we're closing on this. Alyssa, what do you think? Yeah, I was super pumped when I heard that, like when I read that question, because I feel like we don't focus a lot on that like long-term commitment. Like we want people to serve long-term, but 10 years is extremely long. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I just think that that's something that should be celebrated and just encouraged to go all in on something and stick it out for, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm sure all of it was not glamorous, but, <laughs> um, but totally worth it, which is super awesome. Well, hey, that, that leads us right to you. Mike, when we got on the phone, mm-hmm. I couldn't see you, but when we landed on this question, like I, I just felt like you were like, "Oh, that's good." And I was like, <laughs> "So, before we get into before we get into Bethel <coughs> Express and everything, you know, why don't you just share a little bit about yourself, just where you're from, how you ended up in Rochester?" I am the second oldest of four children. Um, my my biological mother died when I was three and a half years old. Uh, my bro- older brother's five years older than I am. I'm the second oldest. My younger brother's three years, uh, three years younger than I am, and my sister is slightly younger than a year of my brother, my youngest brother. And when my mother died, my father could not take care of every young, four very young children, so he gave us up for foster care. And so we was we were really um, separated. The four siblings, the four of us, we were separated mm-hmm. and lived in different areas of New York City and. Uh, long story. I mean, you have to think. You have to think back at this point, fifty-five years ago. Okay, things are much different, of course, today than they used to be. Um, but uh, 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 I was reunited with one, with my youngest brother, uh, about six years, maybe seven years of age, and we were raised together in a foster home. But I was raised in four different foster homes before that time. Whenever the family was tired of us or whatever, call our social worker. They would come get me and just take me to another home. So I was raised in New York City. I'm a city rat. I've lived in both Brooklyn and in Queens. Uh, lived in four neighborhoods in Brooklyn and one neighborhood in Queens. And uh, I, I'm glad, to, I'm, I'm, even, before I, even before I started to walk with the Lord, I'm glad that I did not grow up with any type of bitterness because of me being given up for foster care and things along that line. But uh, I'm just glad to be able to say that I... I definitely, I definitely conquered the challenge of going up in New York City. <laughs> I, I enjoy. It. I have to admit, I I enjoyed growing up in New York City. I'm I'm definitely glad where I am now here in the city of Rochester. But I definitely conquered the challenges of going up in New York City, and uh, I was able to get out of New York City because I went away to college. I went to SUNY Brockport, and that's how I ended up in upstate New York. Mm-hmm. And after graduating from college, I was working on my second. I was in graduate school and. I uh, got saved and um, received the call of God upon my life. And so that's how I ended up in Rochester. The Lord made it very clear he wanted me to move to Rochester and do what I do now. Well, well, actually entered the, entered the Christian music industry. Mm. But, as, but as a result of all of those pieces coming together, mm-hmm. 
here I am. Well, uh, before we get too much into this topic, how did Bethel Express start? I, okay, uh, uh, I did not start it. My, Julia and I did not start it. We've been involved with Bethel Express since it was a conversation over breakfast by uh, my then senior pastor, Ronald A. Domina. And we, um, uh, he wanted to reach the city of Rochester. And we were located here in the city of Rochester, but we were not really um, doing an urban thrust, if you will. But the, the people who started the who started Bethel Express, their names are uh, Pastor Lewis and Pam Perez. They started it in 1987, and they they uh, pastored that ministry for quite a number of years. And then uh, my best friend and his wife took the baton, James and Judy Heath. They took the baton, and uh, they pastored it for about six years. And then uh, Julie and I, we've been pastoring it for the last. Uh, 22 years now. But the way Bethel Express started was it was an urban outreach endeavor. We would have a bus and we would take it over to one of the low-income housing communities, or actually two low-income housing communities in Rochester. One is st still around. That's called Fight Village, F-I-G-H-T. Does not stuff for Let's Fight, but that, that was the name of that community. And the other one was called um, uh, Gateway, which is, that, that has since then been knocked down and it's now nice luxury apartments now. But we would we go out, pick up the kids, bring them over to the church, and we would have worship and praise and teach them the, teach them the word of God. And things just began to grow from there. Mm. Yeah, nice. Um, I know, I, I did Bethel Express when I, it was here at Browncroft for a little bit. Mm -hmm. I mean, a long time ago, but... Um, yeah, that's really nice. So can you actually explain a little bit about, yeah, more about what you do at Bethel Express now? Yes. And just what a, a week looks like or a typical, what's your schedule like? Yes. And in fact, this is kind of funny because we get so much, Julia and I get so much credit for, for what Bethel Express is, as if we were the ones who started it. We're doing so much more than Bethel Express was when mm -hmm. it initially started. But but we want to give credit right. to to the Perez's and the Heats. <laughs> but we um now we pick up the kids uh, from any type of geographical corner in the city of Rochester. Children who know nothing about the gospel, they know nothing about Jesus, they know nothing about uh, the Word of God, they know nothing about God. Period. In fact, many of the kids would give me little notes as they were beginning to grow, and they would say, "Thank you so much for teaching me about Jesus." And they were actually spelling his name G-E-E-Z-U-S. <laughs> That's how remote they were from the things of the yeah. Lord. But we, we picked them up, and we have now we have a, a very, very good hot, uh, anywhere from five to seven-course breakfast every Saturday. Nice. And, of course, they love that. And then we give them time to, to hang out and everything, you know, before we go upstairs for the service. Uh, about, about 10 minutes before we have service, after we've eaten, I do a thing called war room. They don't know, but that's what I'm calling it, war room. And I prepare them for whatever it is that they need to be prepared for, whether we're going to do it in the service or something that I just feel a need to talk to them about. Perhaps they heard about a child being uh, abducted or anything, anything along those lines. Mm -hmm. So I address those things just to set them at peace before we even go into the service. Some of them actually have family members that were you know, victims of violence that throughout the course of the week. And so mm -hmm. I address these kinds of things to prepare them just so when they go into the presence of the Lord, we've already put things in motion for them yeah. spiritually. And then we have a worship and praise and warfare and word service. And we, uh, we always say we definitely worship. We worship. Uh, you, if you ever come, 
when we're in the when we are in the war room, I would say, "So how are we gonna fight today?" And it was they say at the same time, like Satan slapped your grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> I say, "Well, then let's do it." You know. So we have worship and praise and war, spiritual warfare, um, and we take time. We give them the liberty to come up and take the mic and share whatever they feel the need to share, pray for, to do warfare over. And worship goes about, that's for about an hour. And then we do, then I bring the word of God for about an hour. Mm-hmm. When we're done, we usually have uh, f- some, not every child, but we will have things for, for the children to do. Um, you know, we take them out somewhere. Mm-hmm. Because what we do as a ministry is we do what we call the S factor, which is in this order of priority. Spiritual strength, social stability, and scholastic success. Yes. And so we do those kinds of things afterwards that enrich their lives, not just spiritually, mm-hmm. although Jesus is at the center of all that we do, even with the other two S's, but um, we, we want to enhance their lives uh, spiritually, um, socially, and academically as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, right now we're not able to do it, but we do tutoring throughout the course of the week, actually on Tuesdays, but we're not able to do that because of the pandemic, mm-hmm. of course. Um, and we, you know, we take them out to hang out and teach them table manners, table etiquette. We teach them how to behave in certain scenarios. Certain scenarios are okay to be a little bit more relaxed. Certain areas, no, you know, no elbows on the table. We have a thing called we call New Millennium Language, which I started in nineteen in, in, in the year two thousand. Uh, where I call it, and the New Millennium New Millennium Language is, please, thank you, may I, and excuse me, mm. and. And the reason why I call it the new millennium language was we took the helm in 1999, but in 2000, I would say, okay, y'all, you know, in the new millennium, please, thank you, may I, and excuse me, still work. <laughs> so that's why we call it the new millennium language. And so we take, we take time to enrich their lives with Jesus in, at the center of all that we do. But uh, so, so a normal week is, is whatever, <laughs> hopefully whatever phone calls we may get for, for whatever reason, good or bad. But um, we just want to make sure that that in every turn, at, at every turn, the kid, children know that we are behind them mm-hmm. and we stand with them, even if their parents are not doing the same. Yeah. I I want to back up. Um, this is like the first time I'm meeting you in person. So, okay. Um, when you shared your story, um, so first of all, what you know, we're asking this question, you know, why should I commit for ten years to a nonprofit? So the first question I have, while you were a kid in New York City, mm-hmm. was there anybody consistent in your life? But I also, I wonder how much of your growing up in the foster care system affects your passion around this question? Wow, that's thank you for thinking of that question. Somebody said, that's a good question. <laughs> you don't need me to tell you that. <laughs> but thank you for thinking of that really good question. Um, when I've often said this, and, and sometimes you don't realize certain things until later on in life, or, or, or even, even I, I say there's a difference between a revelation and a realization. A revelation is if I had a box and put it in front of the two of you, and there were tens, twenties, fifties, and hundred dollar bills, and you opened it, it was revealed to you that there's a lot of money in it. But until you count it, you don't realize how much money that mm-hmm. lot of money is. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I think there are many things that were revealed to me, but I did not realize them. But as time has elapsed, I have realized things. And so that, so, so having said that, here's the answer to your question. 
I believe that I, it was always in front of me, but I did not realize that nothing beats longevity, mm. nothing beats consistency when it comes to, to being a part of a person's life. And there, not all the people, not all the people, although they were consistent, not all of the people brought good, you know, better or greater vitality to my life in terms of some of the things that they taught me. <laughs> they influenced my way in a dynamic way, but not necessarily in a good way dynamically. Of course, now that I'm living for Jesus, I realize that. But nothing beat having that consistency and nothing beat having that dynamic of, 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 the, of longevity. And like I said, it's not as if all of it was bad. It's not as if most of it was bad. It's just that I remember some things, now that I'm saved, it's like, man, I'm glad I'm saved now. <laughs> they meant well with what they taught me, mm. but what they taught me was not good, was not beneficial. And so, so yes, I believe that those things had, uh, as a realization, I believe that those things taught me, even to this very day, the importance of that. Now, of course, Jesus did, a, a, did the best job, and he had the disciples for three years. Mm -hmm. But the dynamic of his investment in their lives was so significant, was so profound that those three years were all that they needed in order for him to say, "Okay, it's time for me to go." <laughs> and so uh, the same goes for us. But 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 the uh, but the difference is we are working with children mm -hmm. that be eventually become teenagers, and so uh, nothing beats having consistency in their lives and for them to be able to re to 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 rely on us and to, to, and to depend on us. And, and I know we're supposed, they're supposed to lean on Jesus. They're supposed to rely upon Jesus. I understand that. But until they get to that point of realization, until they get to that point of maturity, both socially and spiritually, we're the ones. Mm -hmm. Jesus, you know, uh, the Apostle Paul says, follow me as I follow the example of Christ. He was telling them, you want to see how to do this Jesus thing? Watch me. You know, I'm going to live this out. Watch how imperfect I am, but watch how I bounce back, even though I'm not perfect. Those kinds of things. And so, so once again, to answer your question, to add on to add to the answering of your question, it's it's it is the longevity and it is the the, the dynamic of consistency that has influenced me to this very day. Because uh, there's nothing like getting up getting up in the morning, walking. There's nothing like being six years of age walking. Get thinking that you're getting ready to go to kinder, you know, first grade, school in first grade, and you see your suitcase in the middle of the floor with a little jacket draped over it, mm -hmm. and your social worker in the in the kitchen, and she's telling you to just get dressed. I'm taking you to another home, and the family not even staying to say goodbye. Mm -hmm. There's nothing. There there is no, there is there, nothing impacts your mind like that. But I experienced that three other times. Mm -hmm. And so you get up in the morning, and every morning you, you kind of feel like, is today going to be a good day? Am, am I going to go to school, or am I going to be taken to another home? That kind of a thing. And so children need, all of us do, but children need the, 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 um, the consistency. They need the confidence mm -hmm. that things are going to be okay. They need stability in their lives. And so uh, as it relates to what, what we do as Bethel Express, we want to be, if nothing else, we want to know that those kids know that they can find stability in us. Yeah. That if we say we're going to do it, we're going to do it. They're going to watch us work hard at making sure that it happens. Mm -hmm. And those types of, those are the types of things that we want to instill in their lives so that they can go on with their lives and, and do with it, whatever the Lord wants them to do. Mm. Did I answer your question, man? <laughs> no, I, I mean, yes. I'm just, there's a lot. We're probably, because... I mean, and Alyssa, I want you to add something because this whole series, 
we realized what the last year brought. Mm -hmm. You know, the last year brought a pandemic. There's political upheaval. You know, we have protests. There's talks about racism. And I just believe our listeners are kind of saying this. All right, what can I do about it? Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, that's a blessing and a curse all at the same time. Yes. You know, well spoken. And (laughs) and, (laughs) and so I think what we want to do is help our listeners you know, and, and Alyssa, I want you to add more and then maybe you can push it back to Mike is like, there's a lot that you can do and you can decide, hey, I'm gonna serve 10 organizations at an inch deep level mm-hmm. or I'm gonna serve one organization at a 10 foot depth level. That's good. So I don't know, Alyssa, what other thoughts do you have? Yeah. Um- you did answer the question, but okay, because you know God. you're talking about like your experiences and how that has morphed you into the role that you're in now. Yes. Um, but yeah, I agree. Like that, you could be all in or you could be slightly in. And I think if you're slightly in, if you're slightly into like a bunch of different things, maybe you're just trying to figure yourself out, or maybe you're doing it more for show than for actual like committed, what are we doing? Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I think there is something about going all in because that is, yeah, you're like a little more vulnerable because you're sharing your life and, and now you are someone that these kids are supposed to rely on. Like you've put yourself in that position, like they can rely on me. So now I have to show up. Yes. And even like I'm sure there are days that you don't want to show up like <laughs> not not in a bad way. Just like I'm tired and this kid is experiencing something big and that's mm-hmm. like it's heavy and it's sad or, you know, it's just a lot. And I'm also dealing with 10 other kids that are dealing with the same thing. So mm-hmm. like I'm sure every day is probably like heavy based on just the world that we live in. But yeah, the strength that Jesus has given you and just the passion and just encouraging to to do it every day, like when kids are relying on you. Yeah, I just think that that's, that takes it into a whole different level of... Yes. Yeah, I, yeah. The, um, we, it, in 2020, Julia and I in particular, uh, some of our other leaders did some some of this as well, but in 2020... Julie and I did what we called love drive-bys, where we would actually, because food was donated to us, we would literally drive by the homes of the children and leave very large boxes of food on their front porch. They knew where we were coming, but we leave uh, you know boxes of food on their porch, mm-hmm. uh, just whether they were groceries, prepared food, cooked food, whatever the case may be, and we would leave it on the front porch. The kids knew we were coming. Mm-hmm. The families knew we were coming, but we did this basically every week. Um, throughout the, throughout the course of the, uh, of the pandemic, yeah. at least from March to like August, wow. we 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 would do that because we, it, this 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 is not even statistical. This is factual. Ninety two percent of all the children in a Rochester City School District school, ninety two percent of them get a free breakfast mm-hmm. um, in school and or get a free lunch um, and in, in school mm-hmm. and or are involved with an after school program where they would get what we would call a snack, but it's called dinner because they're in school. Well, okay, well, now they're not in school. You can rest assured, 
our, a significant percentage, if not all of our kids, are part of that 92% of the children that are not getting a, a meal in school. You know, they're, they're, they're part of that 92% that get that breakfast and or lunch and or after school program snack or dinner after school. And so we knew that we definitely had to do something about that. And of course, we would get those calls. You know, if they, if they, some of them have families that worked and or were working now they are no longer working or not presently working so we we feel the responsibility to make sure that we feel that need especially especially since the lord provided for us to be able to do so mm -hmm. that made it even easier we were going we were going <laughs> to figure out a way to make it happen one way or the other but the lord made it very easy by speaking to people and they supported us they were saying what's going on with the kids what's happening with the children what are you going to do how are you going to do this and so people would just send us money and made it possible or they would call us and say mike we have you know, 25 pounds of this and, you know, 18 boxes of that. And can you use them? Like, is that a trick question? <laughs> we'll take you it. You know, and we would do it like that. As far and we all know this, the word of God says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so every word means something. And, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be a wordsmith, but I am going to use it. I am going to appear as though I'm being a wordsmith in the case of what I'm about to say is that I understand for what the word volunteer means. And, and, and I'm all in, I'm all in with the use of the word volunteers, but when they come and they talk to me, they, I help them understand that we don't want you to, to quote unquote, just be a volunteer or to be a volunteer. We need for you to be a victor. Volunteers sometimes find other ways to volunteer when things get challenging. And, 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 and I said sometimes, and I'm not even gonna say, I'll say, let's say 5% of the time, if things get become a challenge, they can find something else to volunteer for. So I'm being fair to people who are volunteer. I understand that full well. And, and all of our, I'm the only one that's paid in our ministry. Mm -hmm. So everybody else is a volunteer. Right. But I tell them, I want you to think, think of yourself as a victor because you cannot impart volunteerism, okay? You can appeal to people, but you cannot impart volunteerism. But you can impart victory into someone else. So we tell the people that we understand that you're called a volunteer, but with us, you're a victor. Victors... Uh, have a uh, have a winning spirit, and they impart a winning spirit into other people, and so that's what we do. But I understand full well what all of, what everybody means about volunteering. No, I think that that's really important because when you and I talked on the phone, you know, you you shared kind of if someone was to volunteer or Victor, mm -hmm. what that would look like. I want you to share that, but I I also just kind of want to say too, sometimes we talk about volunteering and. Yes, God has given us all gifts and talents, mm -hmm. but sometimes, like, just be available. Yes. You know, it's, and and I think if I've learned anything from this series, you know, I'm not sure God is asking you to use your, you know, individual skill as much as he's saying, you've got 168 hours in a week. How much of that are you going to carve out to be available? That's good. And good. so, but when someone comes to Victor, um, mm -hmm. not Victor, New York, not to be confused <laughs> with that, but uh, when someone comes to Victor and volunteer, you know, talk about the process that you kind of shared with me that you walk them through. Yes. When, when a person comes, I, um, I, I, I asked them why, what did, how did they, what did they hear about us? How did they hear about us? And what is it about us that was of interest to you that made you come in the first place. That's the first, well, first one, two, three things. <laughs> but then I, I tell them that for the next two or three months, I want you to come every week. 
I'll, I'll say hello to you, but I'm, but that's about as much as you're going to get from me because I don't want to have any type of influence on you as to whether or not you should be with us. That needs to be something that you become fully persuaded of by the Lord as to A, should you be with us? And B, where do you fit in to our ministry? What, do you, what can you bring to our ministry to enhance what it is that the Lord is doing with us as a ministry? And so I let them hang around for two or three months. And at, at the end of the, the, that, you know, the, you know, two or three months, I'll get together and say, talk to me. You know, um, where, where do you think you fit in? Well, A, does the Lord want you to be here? And there's nothing wrong if the Lord does not want you to be here. Mm -hmm. If the Lord does not want you to be here, I really don't want you to be here, okay? <laughs> uh, even if I like you. But, but And the reason why is because when it comes to our kids and the demographic that we are and the demographic that we minister to, you, once again, we need people that are going to be here for the long haul. So when it comes to hanging around, and, and I ask them for a 10-year commitment, even if that sounds unrealistic, even if I know that most people are not really able to do so, there have been some that have, but even if you're not able to do that, I want you to understand what we are looking for out of you in order for us to fulfill what God wants us to fulfill in the lives of, ki of our kids. If there's a child that's eight years of age and you're here for 10 years, you're going to be here all the way through to until they graduate from high school. Mm. Well, do they need you for the next 10 years? Yes. Mm. You know, it's just that simple. And, and I told you the story on the phone that there's a, there was a, uh, there's a uh, prayer, uh, a Bible study group that was for, that started out of, even with some of the kids in our ministry. And I won't ever forget, uh, her name is Lisa. She said to one of the young ladies, she said, you know, you mean so much to me. She said, no matter what happens, I'm going to be at your graduation. Little did she know that she was going to go on a missions trip to South Africa, come back and say, the Lord spoke to me that I'm supposed to move to South Africa. Mm -hmm. She moved to South Africa. Okay. Well, three years later, this young lady is graduating from high school and, but Lisa's in, a, in South Africa, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it's one thing if you hop on a plane and just come here from California, something totally different from a different hemisphere, you know, and wouldn't you know it? Wouldn't you know it? They stayed in touch all that time, of course, but wouldn't you know it? Lisa showed up <laughs> at her graduation because she, she said that she would, um, just so she could see the fulfillment of what started with them relationally mm -hmm. come to full fruition. Yes, they stayed in contact with each other and all of that other kind of stuff, but, but and, and, and there is something to be said about that as well. Just because I'm somewhere else does not mean that what mm -hmm. the Lord started in us has to end. We, we, we will not allow distance to keep what mm -hmm. God started. Because if you develop a good relationship <clears throat> with someone, you don't necessarily have to be around them all the time anyway. Mm -hmm. And if it's really potent, if it's really rich, and if, it, if there's a great well of wealth, a, a depth of wealth in that relationship, you know how, these, you, how, how the saying goes, you know, you could be with somebody and not see them for five years and they show up and it's like you never missed a moment. Mm -hmm. Well, well there's, there's something to that mm -hmm. that we would like to bring to what we do as a ministry when it comes to the children as they grow up, um, A, in the Lord, and B, just in, in normal human um, uh, maturity. And so, and, and our leaders have t taken a bite out of that and to this very day, those leaders who make those kinds of commitments, mm -hmm. to this very day, even the kids who are now in their 20s, they're still in touch with the leaders, mm -hmm. still go, 
showing up at the at the wedding, showing up at the events that these that, that this person is is heading up or whatever the case may be or uh, or, or an event that they're involved in and here they are 25 now mm -hmm. but we've had them since they were 7 right. you know because we're I tell you know we're a family we're a tribe and I tell them that because well perfect example uh your your father doesn't stop being your father after 10 years mm -hmm. you know and so even in me asking for a 10 year commitment I'm really asking for a lifetime <laughs> commitment you know, and so the leaders who are listening to this, you know what I'm talking <laughs> about, right? <laughs> yeah, I like that. And I think I like I respect the the bigger ask of being like, this isn't going to be I mean, it can be one and done if mm -hmm. you're not committed. But if you are serious about it, like this is long term and it's because then you're putting your kids first instead of like me as a volunteer that would be putting me first to be like, well, I'm just going to see if I like it. I'll poke in and out if I feel mm -hmm. like it. If I don't feel like going that day, I don't have to. But yeah, to really like prioritize the kids and their needs and just like the stability piece and the consistency. I just really respect that in in your ask for volunteers. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, <laughs> so what is the the age range? You've thrown out a few ages, but what's your like? What are the kids' range, or how long, or how does how does someone even get started to come to Bethel Express? Our target demographic is children ages seven and can read, and twelve. Mm. Okay, those are the ones. So if you are seven and can read, and the reason why we say seven and can read is because we are so word dominant. We read so much of the mm. word, and we do so much that's based upon the word. Of course, we live it too. You know, be be doers of the word and not hearers only. We understand that, and study to show yourself approved unto God because a workman does not need to be ashamed to rightly dividing word of truth. We understand that. That's why it's so important for them to learn how to read mm -hmm. because we're so word dominant with what we do. So seven and can read. This way, they feel engaged. Right. And in twelve, so beyond the age of twelve, you know, we we don't let kids come in because. It's a culture. It's a tribal culture by that point. They've grown up doing certain kinds of things. And so, you know, kids, they reach a certain age, adolescents, pre-adolescents, and they're not feeling certain kinds of things if you were to walk in. If you grew up in it, it's great. If you walk in, it's a little bit different. And I've worked with teenagers for 35 plus years, <laughs> but here's the thing. So, but when they turn 12 and 13, they don't want to leave us. Mm. So we do things that are more age-specific for them. So we still meet as a tribe, as a family on Saturdays. The food, the worship, the praise, the warfare, the word and everything. But we do some other things in addition to that that are more uh, age-specific. And I'll give you an example. We call it LIT, L-I-T, and it stands for Luminaries in Training. And we want them to understand that well, a luminary is a person that represents something of great of a greater sort or of a greater call, and they are, they are, they they show their brightness through that. And so, so we do things that are that are more age specific for them as adolescents and as teenagers to help them continue to move on, you know, in their lives. We we have a work readiness curriculum that we've developed. So when every child turns the age of eleven, at some point in that first year, we prepare them for the workforce even though they're not going to be able to work for another three or four years. Right. But we also give them, after we do the training, which is about 16 weeks worth of teaching um, here and there, uh, we have money in our budget and people give us money. So we're able to give the kids our job so they learn mm. how to earn money, mm -hmm. you know, because we want them to be, I always tell them, 
We want them to be productive citizens in our society. Yeah. We want them to pay taxes, not be tax beneficiaries. Right. Oh, I euphemized that really well, <laughs> didn't I? You know, and so, but we do those kinds of things with yeah. them so they really enjoy growing up. A, in the Lord, and B, in, in just in their lives, uh, period. And, and, and it's important, too. Um, and and we, we see, oh, and they have to be, and it's kids who know nothing about the Lord also. All right, we don't want kids from other churches and youth groups and ministries. Let them stay where they are. We want the kids who have no idea okay. about the things of the Lord. And so that's what we do. And, um, you, you know, and, and this is so important. And I, and I don't want anyone to get the wrong impression and it's easier for, for me to say this because they can see my face, although you can catch my tone and tenor when I speak. But um, I understand. I tell people, whenever you come to Bethel Express, especially if you're interested in whether or not the Lord will use you, I tell them, come, but be warned. The cuteness is lethal, okay? <laughs> They're so cute. You, It feels like God's will, mm-hmm. all right? Excuse me. It feels like God's will, but it's like, Get beyond the cuteness because beyond the beneath the cuteness are challenges. Beyond below the cuteness is is a child in crises many mm-hmm. times, and so that's the part why that's where we need you. Yeah. And so, uh, so so when I say that, it, sometimes it's as if uh, uh, it's almost as if you get warm fuzzies when you come to be around us. Mm-hmm. And I get that, I understand that, but please understand that below the cuteness. Is the Lord is is a soft heart is a is a tender life mm-hmm. that we'd like to keep it that way as long as possible, mm-hmm. considering the urban plight that they are faced with, mm-hmm. and I understand that firsthand. But the urban plight that they are faced with, so that they can go on and be what we call champions in society. Mm-hmm. So, I, I want to come back. Um, I'm going to push you a little bit, cause, okay? Because uh, I just I love you. You know, your brother in Christ. Thanks, so, <laughs> um, Mike Peace shows up. At Brockport, um, Alyssa and I both have been to college. We had a ton of support. We had teachers. We had parents. Um, you know, you, you mentioned moving around four or five times, like just not having the supports in your life. Maybe you did. I guess help us understand what would have been different about Mike Peace going to Brockport if he had a Bethel Express mm-hmm. that. I, yeah, what would be different with that? Wow. It, it would have been everything that is a challenge to life would have been easier for me to handle mm. because I would have had the Lord at the center of my life to, to, to stabilize me. Uh, I, you know, I brought all the sin and all of the urban plight with me, in me, with me, to college. And so uh, it takes a, it takes a while for you to trust people sometimes it's well, for, that's for all of us mm-hmm. but more so when you're in a different environment you're in an, you you are in an academic environment and you are really really truly truly far away from new york city mm-hmm. which is really your comfort zone if you will or, or your natural habitat if you will and so um so so having if i had had the lord in my life if i had had the things that that bethel express that we teach in bethel express I would have been a champion by the time I got to college. I would have. I did well academically, but because there was just a fight in me, I like. I am not going back to New York City, not having been at the top of my game. No, I have to go back. Whenever I go back, I'm. I have to go back as somebody. Even when I came back for the first time at Thanksgiving time, I wanted people to notice that there was something different about me, improved about me. But that was all on my own personal effort. When you have the Lord in your life, as you know, 
as many of our all of these kids have had since they've gone through Bethel Express, when they go through these things, they go they go to college ready. They know how to take on challenges. They uh, I, I tell them that you know you have to have these two things. You have to have intestinal fortitude, and you have to be, have you have to be resilient. Resilient means you can bounce back, and intestinal fortitude is you dig deep. So when you find out that um. Uh, we, because we say good results, not excuses. We say, so when you find out that your financial aid did not come in or whatever the case may be, you're not going to melt down. Mm-hmm. You're going to pick up that phone and you're going to talk to some people that can help you get it done. You call us. We're going to get it done. You did not go there. God doesn't play psych games on people that you get there and it's like, well, I don't really want you in the first place. Right. No, the Lord, if the Lord got you there, he's going to sustain you there. Mm-hmm. And whatever it's going to take for you to be there, you're going to stay there. And so we do those kinds of things. We don't, we, and I, I did not have those kinds of people in my life. I did not, I really not, did not have anyone. All the people that I grew up with that were depositing things in me that had no business being deposited in me, they were not there to help me. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my parents, my, and I'm going to call her my mother because she raised me most of my life. She was the mother most of my life. I love, I, I love the dealer. She went to be with the Lord uh, in uh, uh, 2014. Uh, if she were here today, she would be 100. She'd be 101 yeah. this coming May. Okay, and my father, who I say raised me most of my life, I call him my father, out of all the foster homes, uh, he went to be with the Lord in, in 1986, okay? And so, and he was 17 years older than my mother. And so, so that he would be 118, to 117 today, okay? And that's how I was raised by those th- types of folks. But anyway, uh, neither one of them graduated from high school. Mm-hmm. They respected what educated people said, and so I did not even grow up being, uh, well, I, I grew up being encouraged to do well academically to get on with life, but I did not have any support of anybody who was educated in my home enough to help me get through high school or get through school. They did not know. They, they, their literacy, literacy level was very low. Their, 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 their sense of morality, I guess you could say, was pretty decent. You know, their, 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 their social skills were very, very good. But I did not have anything else, and so I did not have a support system. I, I, I won't forget this. This is not bitterness; just the fact of the matter. I needed some money in order to get home at the end of the, my freshman year. My mother sent me. Of course, this is this is 1977 now. Okay, my mother sent me uh, a letter with an envelope with a twenty dollar bill. And she said, "Don't ever ask me for any more money." Okay, so I never did to this very day, mm. you know. But 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 she meant it though. So she meant it. So I, I think what I hear you saying is, because again, and I'm going to try to fumble the, like I hear people say, like you're kind of the poster child for he, you know, he overcame adversity. And, and even what you're saying is I did, but there was a price to pay. Mm-hmm. And I feel like what I hear you saying is if I would have known to someone that I mattered, if I would have known that I was loved by God. If someone would have treated me, man, I wouldn't have had, I wouldn't have felt like I had to fight everybody or fight for trust. I could have walked into this environment knowing, hey, we can be real. This is going to be really tough. Mm-hmm. But I know that I can go to the bank because there's a school advisor that walked with me. I can go to the bank because there was someone from Bethel Express. Mm-hmm. My home life was chaotic. I mean, is that kind of what you're saying? That's, I mean, exactly what, that's exactly what I was saying. That's exactly it. To have a support system that you know that everything is going to be okay. The kids say this every day. I mean, 20s and their 30s. They're saying things like, Mike, all I knew, all I, I, I knew if I called you, 
I'd be okay after the phone call conversation was over. Mm-hmm. There's a young lady that that she's my she's my daughter in the faith, and she was to this very day. She's 34 now, and I've known her since she was three months old. I held her in my arms when she was three months mm-hmm. old. That's how far back we go, <laughs> and. Uh, she, she, to this very day, I'll do something, I'll say something to her and then she'll send me a text back three or four days later, dad, I knew it. Every time you say something, I just feel better and I know that it's going to get better Mm. just because you said so. And I'm saying to myself, that's a lot of pressure, you know, (laughs) but, 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 but she, but that's, and and she relies on upon the Lord. There's, Mm. There's no question about that, but it's just, once again, it's having, well, the Word of God says you have many teachers, but you have not many fathers. If you look at that word, it actually means parents. But, but we understand what the Apostle Paul was saying. But so, so that's what we're supposed to be. That's what the Lord is trusting us to be, is it just, to be a, just to be an edge of stability in their lives in a, in a patriarchal or matriarchal way. I always tell people I'm not trying to be anybody's father, mm-hmm. Julia, the leaders. We're not trying to be anybody's parents. However, you would get what a good parent is supposed to give you by being with us. And everyone in college needs someone like that. Everyone needs that in life. Mm-hmm. But I'm just speaking refer- in reference to your question or your point about college. If I had had that, I would have. life would have been a lot easier for me because there are several times I'm thinking, man, am I going to make it? Like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going I'm to I'm you know, get it, you know. <laughs> Suck it up as much as I can, but that doesn't mean that you're still going to make it, mm. you know. But I having a, having a family to back me up, like Bethel Express does yeah. and has always done, makes all the difference in the world. Mm. Do you? Um, so the kids that are that participate at Bethel Express, do you work with their families too at all? Like I know that there's probably not not everyone has like consistent families, but um, I'm sure some of them do maybe their parents work or whatever um do you yeah so how does that work we do and, and this is going to sound so trite but it, but it's really true we do the best that we can to involve parents mm-hmm. in what it is that we're doing with their children but a lot of times the parents they just they just because of what they heard about us mm-hmm. and what they observed in their children as they continue to be involved with Bethel Express. The parents trust us so much, they just trust us and they just, we call and say, well, we're gonna do this. And they say, okay. And we don't even tell them what time. They're like, (laughs) they don't don't care. Just as long as they're with us. And so to answer your question, we wish that there would be more of that. We praise the Lord that they trust us. Secondly, we praise the Lord that nothing bad has ever happened and nothing ever will. As far as we're concerned, we're very, very intentional about that. You know of what I speak, but but um, uh, we we do our best to to minister to the families as well, yeah. or to parents as well. But a lot of times, between the parents not a not being interested, b not able to really connect, right. or c um, just uh, are just confident at, and grateful for what we are as a ministry. We we just we just move on mm-hmm. in spite of that. No disrespect, no dishonor to the yeah. parents. We are grateful that they trust us with their children, mm-hmm. and we are very diligent, very intentional t- for them to not ever regret that. And we've not ever gotten that. And praise God. And we, we don't. We, as far as we're concerned, <laughs> that no one will ever regret having sent yeah. their children to us. Yeah. I feel like the three of us have just like had coffee together. So let's <laughs> let's. We got two like. Man, I'm just uh, I'm just having so much fun, and um, this uh, and not just fun, but just I think this is really helping our listeners um, 
you know, just kind of figure out in this, this is a great way to close the series. Mm-hmm. So leave it to the Holy Spirit to do that. Um, so let, let's say this. Most of our listeners are from Rochester. Some of them are from Portland. Maybe some of them are from California mm-hmm. or Wyoming. And there's probably a Bethel Express, something like that around mm-hmm. them. What would you advise them to do? They're saying, you know what? I get it. I need to make a long-term commitment. We're going to say 10 years because that's the title of the episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what would be your first and second and third step to them on how to do that and find that place to really serve, especially in a world that needs it today? First thing is to have a heart of compassion for whatever it is, especially for a ministry like ours but mm-hmm. or you know any type of urban ministry, to, to really search your heart and have a heart for what it is that that the Lord wants to get done in the lives of urban urban children, teens, youth, whatever the case, to have a heart for that, mm-hmm. um, and and you know if 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 it if it's of interest to you, then ask the Lord to stir that in you, you know make that make that even a great make that an even greater reality in your heart. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. The second thing is okay. Once the Lord has done that, Lord, where do I fit in into this? How? If, a, a lot of times, you know, we see made-for-TV movies and things along that line, and and people feel like they have to fit into that lane of how that unfolded. When it's like, no, 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 no. You know, God has given all of us a destiny, and so let the Lord work out His destiny in our lives. He's made it clear that He wants you to be involved in this aspect of ministry. Do this really, 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 really well. You know, be a champion at this one thing that you do that you bring to the ministry. Do that one thing. A, 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 a friend of mine said to me at this point about 30 years ago, he says, God does not want people um, with big ministries. God wants people who can minister big. Mm-hmm. And you said something that was very important that, you know, God is not looking for people who um, minister, minister 80 feet wide mm-hmm. and 10 feet deep. He wants us to minister 80 feet deep and 10 feet wide. Mm. Okay, and, and the proof and the, and the proof of that is that God does not want people with big ministries, but people who can minister big. If Jesus, we know this. Jesus had the 12. We know he had Peter and Paul. Uh, Peter, not Peter and Paul. He had Peter, James, and John as the what we call the inner three, the inner circle. We know that they were three of the 12. Okay, although Judas, mm, <laughs> right? But we also know that Jesus sent them out in, in twos, mm. 70. We know that in the book of Matthew. We know that, all right? We know that on the day of Pentecost, it was 120 of them, right? We, we know that. Th- th- that's documented. We know in 1 Corinthians, it said uh, that he was, when Jesus came back, he was seen by over 500 people. But they were not his congregation. If there were anybody that was really his ministry, it really was, if we want to go that far, it was that 120. Mm. Okay, they went into the upper room. But the thing is, if Jesus were here today, people would say, okay, so you're the Messiah. You have 120 people. You're the Messiah. He's the Messiah. He has 120 people. But see, Jesus did not, if he were here today, they would say that's not a big ministry. But Jesus ministered big, which is why we have the gospel today, right? That's right. And so, so people, when you walk into to the arena of urban ministry, don't look at it as, you know, what big thing can I do? Mm-hmm. Think of it as what significant thing can I do that will have a lasting eternal impact? I say our lives with what we do and what you do in, with, with urban ministry is what, you should, what you're doing should make sh- should cause shockwaves to eternity. 
In other words, when you stand before the Lord one day, you'll be, Lord, when? When did I do that? <laughs> you know, because you were focused on what the Lord wanted to, to do through you, this one thing in a very significant way. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so, so those are the things. I have a compassion for the city and, and for that demographic. Second thing, Lord, where do I fit into this? And then third, Lord, give me the strength to be able to excel at this mm. so that I will make the impact that you want me to make when I'm doing what it is that you want me to do as a part of this ministry. Wow. <laughs> um, I don't even know if we have to do the last question, but we are going to do the last question just because, <laughs> um, you know, what does Jesus have to say about this topic? Mm. Um Alyssa, who do you want to go first, you or me? You can go first. You always do that. You no, always sort of first a couple yeah. times. Um, <laughs> so the question that we're asking, you know, what would Jesus say about serving some at the same nonprofit for ten years? Mm. Um, one of my favorite books. It's uh, it's by a woman by the name of Alicia Brick Chloe. She wrote the book Anonymous, and mm -hmm. the book is about Jesus's first thirty years. So you were talking mm. about Jesus as, you know, with the disciples for three years. Um, from Luke 2.52 to Luke 3, there's 30 years. Yeah. What, mm -hmm. what was Jesus doing? You know, he was a carpenter. You know, he was working in quiet. Mm. And, you know, I wonder with some of our listeners, if there's a healthy spiritual an anonymity of following Jesus, of saying, you know what, I'm going to devote 10 years to this one organization. Um, I'm going to serve kids and I'm going to do it really well. And I'm just going to put, I'm going to put it on my calendar and I'm going to do it quietly. And, you know, again, share on social media to help the organization mm -hmm. i'm sure you'd love to get more money so and and i say mm -hmm. that in a kind way like <laughs> yes there's okay. some people that yes. serve bethel express yeah. by time there's other people yes so please yes, promote very much so but very much so. but and we don't say that ashamedly we say that that's just the truth mm -hmm. but i i also kind of feel like there there's a sense in this season and what i'm worried about and why i think this series is so so important you know, Roger Breedlove, who comes here and, you know, we're partnering with him. Mm -hmm. He says, I'm not here for photo ops. Mm -hmm. That's good. And and we're not here for like, if you want to make a difference, mm -hmm. start with one child. And That's right. There, so, yes. And and uh, Brother Breedlove is an amazing man of God. He, he really lives the message mm -hmm. like through and through, true and true, for sure. I have tremendous love and respect for him. Mm -hmm. I, we know each other, and so and I did not know that you know him. Okay, <laughs> but but the other, the, and it's so important that I say if you're not living it, you should not be giving it. Mm. So the first thing is to really live the message of the gospel. Mm. That's the first thing. The second thing is I tell people really focusing on Galatians chapter five to have the character of God, the fruits of the spirit of God. Mm. Um, you want people to believe, especially young people, but you want people to believe that you're actually living the message that you're saying. And the third thing is to really study with intent, with the intent of living out, walking out the Beatitudes. Because the, uh, I heard a brother say at a conference I was speaking, at, he said, you're going to hear the, the, the greatest sermon you've ever heard. I'm going to deliver to you the greatest sermon that you've ever heard, that's ever been preached. I'm saying to myself, <laughs> okay, this is kind of <laughs> cocky, you know. And then he said, I'm going to read to you the Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> All right. And then he did. Of course, the Beatitudes are a part of the Sermon on the Mount. And I just did I just did a, a funeral uh, a month ago. And the, the, the and it's the it's the 
the wife of a, a young man that grew up in our ministry. Um, and, and she said, of course, she loves the Lord. And she said it was for her mother. And she said that um, I said, is there something that you want me to focus in on? I met her mother one time because I officiated their wedding mm -hmm. seven years ago. Godly woman, I knew that. And she says, yes, would you teach on the Beatitudes? Because my mom's life was a true reflection of the Beatitudes. Mm -hmm. And I said to myself, you just made it easy for me. And I just, you know, and I found out about her life. But the thing is that when you study the Beatitudes, that is the greatest, and I have the character of God, the fruits of the Spirit, mm -hmm. that is the greatest way to make the kind of impact that needs to be made is we walk out what God wants us to walk out uh, with a 10-year commitment or with a lifetime commitment. Mm. That, I mean, Jesus taught on the Beatitudes because he was the manifestation of that. Mm. The Apostle Paul understood the fruits of the Spirit because he understood that that was, which, that was, that was, the, that was the, the depth of what Jesus was all about, the character of God, the fruits of the Spirit of God. And so you fuse those things together and you watch what God does. Mm. Well, man. You get two pastors in the room. Sometimes you don't know. I know. To, you Tell know, me about it. To, so, Alyssa, I'm going to give you the last word on this. Yeah. So I guess, um, I mean, you, we already mentioned the disciples and Jesus, but just thinking about Jesus being such a relational guy, like he spent three years, but it was like three packed years. Mm -hmm. and, Very potent. Um, yeah. So I just think that that's really important for us to think about like how it wasn't just a sporadic three years like it was a daily working with mm -hmm. these this group of people um and i just think that's important because like not every day is great and there are days that i'm sure is discouraging but you know jesus was there and they got to feel their feelings and just live life with him and i think that that's really just important for us and so like I think of Bethel Express and you like you're experiencing real things and kids are relying on you and you know you're dealing with big issues so you're watching but you're watching these kids grow up so you're mm -hmm. watching them you know be little kids to adults that are going to college and you know getting jobs and doing things for society and that's something that, like, if you were just dipping in and dipping out, you wouldn't be seeing that. So I don't know. I just think it's, like, such a beautiful representation of who Jesus is and how he did life when he was here mm -hmm. on earth. So just, like, all in. I'm going to be there. Good days, bad days. It doesn't matter. We're going to do crazy things together. Right. Um, yeah. So I just think, like, that. that just shows so much of who Jesus is to just consistently show up. So yes. Yeah. I, yeah. Just a beautiful representation of who he is. And the proof of what the two of you have said, mm. let, take me out of the equation. Okay. The proof of what you both said has produced a 100% graduation rate of all the kids who have come to us and have stayed yeah. with us since 1999. Mm. The proof of what you just said yeah. is 98% of them have gone on to some form of higher education. Mm. The proof, a manifestation of what you two say, I'm out of the equation. <laughs> and then the last part of that is 23% of them have gone on to graduate studies, including medical school, oh, doctors, amazing. lawyers, engineers, PhDs, mm -hmm. and business owners that are living off of their business, literally, mm -hmm. because they have done well. Um, and, and, but once again, the manifestation, the proof, the product of, the fruit of all of those things that you said 
are the things that I just presented to yeah. you. That's how real it is. That's how um, uh, that's how important it is for us to be focused upon those kinds of things. Yeah. They produce the greatest fruit that the Lord wants. Mm. Wow. Um, At least in the hood. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, what a what a beautiful way to close this series. I'm so glad you brought up those statistics. That's yeah. that's amazing. So. Um, BethelExpress.org. Is yes. that the okay? Yes. So, so uh, be careful if you email Mike. You might be given 10 years of your life. We hope so. <laughs> um, and, and like I said, too, if you're not from Rochester, I am 100% certain there's something in your area that you can devote 10 yes. years to. Yes. Um, go to com. Subscribe. The best way to get our emails. Make sure you share this podcast. Um, share the work of what Mike Peace is doing. Um, we'd really appreciate that. Mike, why don't you close us in prayer? I'd be glad to. I'd be glad to. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you allowed us to be a part of what it is that you're doing. And Lord, we know that if it had not been for your son Jesus to be man enough to get up on the cross to die for our dirty, nasty, ugly sin, this this experience right here would, would not even have come into existence. And we thank you for that. Father, I ask that through all of that, all, all of what we recognize as to what you have done. And, with the you, and, and what you are capable of doing, that for all of those who are listening to this, watching this, that you, Lord God, touched their hearts. You stirred something in them. You said something to them about what it is that you'd like to do in their lives as it relates to uh, getting behind ministries like BE or uh, urban ministries or even ministries, Lord, that will have the impact uh, upon young people that we need so desperately. And Father, we know that you see it Great, you see the need greater than we do. And Father, we see tremendous need. But we know that as, as we allow ourselves to be utilized of you, what you want to get done will get done the way it should get done and that lives will be impacted from now until we reach the edge of eternity. And so, Father, we thank you for all of these things, knowing that you have nothing but good in store for all of us. And we thank you in advance for all of these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Have a great day. 